Welcome to the Aurora Cornerstone Podcast. Thank you for tuning in. We hope today's message is an encouragement to you. How many here enjoy special occasions? Sometimes there are special occasions that we have in life that require an invitation. It could be a wedding. It could be a graduation ceremony. Those special times are banquets when you need to know how many people you have, and so you send out invitations to those that you want to come. Invitations are nice to have, nice to get. Sometimes maybe we don't really like to receive an invitation because it means we've got to buy a gift. <laughs> but invitation means that they are asking you to come. That's what an invitation is. It invites you. It welcomes you. It gives you a place in that place. There's other special occasions, and we are coming up to one very special occasion known as Easter. We don't have invitations to family gatherings, but we have those times where we gather around as families and we fellowship and we eat. Food and fellowship seem to go hand in hand, especially in Pentecostal churches. But the wonderful thing about it is these times of gathering together bring unity. They bring joy and happiness to us. Even a time of when you are given an invitation, it's a special occasion, a time of celebration. Today, I want you to turn with me in your Bibles to John chapter 7. John chapter 7. We're going to look at two verses here, actually three verses in all. Chapter 7, verse 37 down to 39. In this passage of Scripture... We have a divine invitation. A divine invitation. Let's just pray together. Father, we come before you today. And we call you Father because of Jesus. We come to you because you have invited us to come. And Lord, as we worship you together, we invite you. And you you. Dwell amongst us. Father, we thank you that our worship is like an invitation to you because you dwell in the praises of your people. Father, bless your word to our hearts. Change us and transform us by the power of your spirit. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. John chapter 7. Beginning to read at verse 37. On the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the Spirit has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Verse 39 is just a a note that John makes here. But this he spoke concerning the Spirit, whom those believing in him would receive. 
for the Holy Spirit was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. So this particular passage of Scripture, just to bring it into the context of what we are saying here today, it tells us that it was, on, it was looking forward to the cross. Looking forward to the day of Pentecost. We have another vantage point. We look back on the cross. We look back to Pentecost. So, this has, Pentecost had not yet happened as an experience in the upper room, as we will mention later on. But on this day, let us also look at the setting within the context of where Jesus was. If we look at the seventh chapter of John, if you were to read throughout there, you would find that this was a very, very difficult time for our Lord. He was under tremendous hostility. The Jewish leaders were wanting to kill him. He stayed mostly in Galilee at this time. He didn't go into Judea. But here, and if you look at verse 2 of this chapter 7, you would see a very special occasion was taking place. In verse 2 it says, Now the Jews' feast of tabernacles was at hand. When Jesus came to Judea and came into the temple, it was a very special occasion. If you look into the book of Leviticus, we won't take time this morning, but Leviticus chapter 23, we would see that God asked Israel to hold seven feasts. And this particular feast was a special occasion to Israel. It was called the Feast of the Tabernacles. This feast was important for several reasons. Number one, the Feast of the Tabernacles was a time of thanksgiving. They would celebrate the harvest. We have our thanksgiving in October. Our American friends have it in November. A time of celebration, celebrating what God has given to us. And God wanted his people to appreciate what he gave them. And he also wanted them to understand it came from him. And so in October and September, the latter part of September every year, they had the Feast of the Tabernacle. It was on this time, it was a seven-day feast, actually an eight-day feast altogether. For eight days, they feasted. They went to the temple. They celebrated. It was also a time in the Old Testament where they remembered when they were living in tabernacles. They had to make special, place, special places of, of temporary shelters where the people dwelled in. And the shelters were made up of palm leaves and other branches and trees. And they lived in those shelters for that period of time. In the context of our verse today, we, we see that in the temple, the, it was also a time of celebration, remembering when God miraculously supplied water in the wilderness out of the rock. When God told Moses, when the people were complaining all around. People like to complain, don't they? I know I do my share of it from time to time. But you know, God is so merciful because at a time when these people were complaining against his leader Moses, 
He said to Moses, strike the rock. And right there in the middle of the desert, a stream began to flow. And so part of this Feast of Tabernacles, it, it was a commemoration of God's goodness. And what the priests would do is they brought water, symbolic of the water that God supplied from the rock, and that is recorded in Exodus 17, 1-7, if you ever wanted to look at that, where God told Moses to strike the rock and the water came. The water was brought to the temple from the pool of Siloam. It was brought in a golden pitcher, and the rock was poured out, the water was poured out upon the altar. And as they saw the water flowing from the altar, they rejoiced and they sang. Often they would sing things like a, a psalm like, uh, Spring up, O well, within my soul. Or they would sing maybe songs like, Gladly will we draw waters from the wells of salvation, from Isaiah. And they would sing songs about God, the supplier of the water. It was during this final day of the feast that Jesus spoke the words that we read in our text this morning. And we need to understand some important things here. First of all, Jesus' posture. Jesus stood on the last day, the great day of the feast, on this last day, on this final day, he stood. It's significant to know that Jesus stood. Because usually when the uh, rabbis and the teachers in the temples would teach their disciples and their followers, they were seated. But Jesus stood to his feet. It's also significant knowing that at the time, they were looking to kill him. But he stood. He stood up. Because he had something to say he wanted everybody in that room to hear. He stood. His posture. He cried out his passion. He cried out, let everyone who thirsts, let him come to me and drink. We see in this passage of scripture, the invitation we see the proclamation, and we see the participation. The invitation to come. If anyone thirsts, the invitation here is not just to a certain group of people, but to anyone, anyone. Jesus was telling the people of the temple that day something very significant. He was telling them that the very one who supplied the water to them out of the rock in the wilderness, that very one in the person of Jesus Christ stood before them. And he said to them, let everyone, anyone, come to me and drink. What a significant thing that God in his own self clothed himself in humanity and came and dwelt amongst us. We Know that he was the son of the living God. He was God in the flesh. John says in uh, John chapter 1, the word was made flesh and dwelt amongst us. We beheld his glory as of the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. At that moment, those Jews were beholding the very God of Israel. The very God who spoke and, and brought water out of a rock. He was there saying to them, come to me. 
Come to me. Anyone who thirsts, let him come. Three things about this. The invitation to everyone. It's a universal invitation. We have a message for the whole world. The whole world can come to Jesus. The message is to the whosoever will. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. John 3, 16, that scripture that is so well known, it says, God so loved the world. That means every single person in the world, all around the world, every nation, every person, it doesn't matter where they're from. God loves them. And he loves them with an everlasting love. He said that whosoever believes in me should not perish but have everlasting life. Thank God that whosoever includes you and I. Thank God it includes every single person from the, the worst person in the face of the earth that you could possibly think of, that individual that agitates you and that person that just seems to really always rub you the wrong way, it includes them too. Whosoever, whoever thirsts, but we also find with this invitation comes a condition. Whoever thirsts, thirsts. It's an important thing to be thirsty. We need to be thirsty. Because if you're not thirsty, you won't come. If I get thirsty this morning, I'll reach down and grab this bottle and drink from it. If you're thirsty, you have to come. There's an action that has to take place. There's something that has to happen. Whenever Jesus challenged people, whenever he spoke to them, he always called upon them for an action, for a response. And at this time in, in the history of Jesus' life, the response was not a good one. They didn't know who Jesus was. They, didn't, they refused to accept him for who he was. They, they chose to be blinded by their own unbelief. There's times when Jesus will speak to us and tell us to come, but we choose not to come. It is so important that we come. Whosoever that is thirsty, how do we create spiritual thirst in our lives? We live in a world where there is no water. We live in a world where there's no spiritual refreshment. We live in a world that will very quickly evaporate all the water that we have in our lives, in spiritually speaking. We live in a world that looks for instant gratification, that looks for drinking and, and, and refreshing, but it, you go right back and you're thirsty again. Even this water that I drink here, when you drink of that, you're thirsty again and again. But Jesus is calling them here. Everyone who thirsts, let him come to me and drink. David wrote some words. Oh God, you are my God. Early will I seek you. My soul thirsts for you in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. 
from day to day when you're working and when you're going about your various uh, activities, you find in this world there is no water. Maybe there's times in your life you feel spiritually parched and thirsty. You feel dry. Your prayers don't seem to go up as they should. When you read the word, it, it's, it's sort of something you do out of rout, and it's not something you do out of desire. I've learned in my life that when we read the word of God, duty becomes delight. The more we read, the more thirsty we become. God's word has a way of whetting our spiritual appetite. And as a way of, of showing us our need for God. As David wrote there, he, early will I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. It begins by a generated spiritual thirst deep within our souls that only God can fill. When David prayed this prayer, he was not in an easy situation in life. He was hiding from his own son, Absalom, who was rebelling against him. There's times in life when difficulties of the world just seem to surround us. But at those times of greatest difficulty can be our times of greatest spiritual refreshing. At those times, we begin to realize that our, our fulfillment is not in the things of this world, but our fulfillment can only come in the one when we come before him and say, Lord, I am thirsty for you. I need you. And as this Holy Spirit begins to fill our lives, suddenly something begins to happen inside of us, and we realize even in spite of our circumstance, there is a God that is greater, that stands over the circumstance. Amen? The book of Hosea, he gives us a challenge. He says, sow to yourselves in righteousness. Reap in mercy. Break up the fallow ground. For it is time to seek the Lord. We know in our hearts when it's time to seek the Lord. There's those special times in life when, when we are just, we're at a, at a place where only God can set us free. Only God can help us. It's like the children of Israel when they were marching out of the time when they were marching out of Egypt. Suddenly they came to the shores of the Red Sea. They were in a place that only God could set them free. Maybe you feel like that this morning. Maybe you feel in that place this morning where there is an there is a uncrossable barrier before you. And to even add to it, Pharaoh's army was marching in on them. There they were in the middle. Or what did God say to Moses? Stand still and see the salvation of God. A time that we would never want to stand still. Because we were trying to get something to do and, and do something. But God says, stand still. Spiritual thirst is a time when we have to stand still. It's hard to drink something when you're running around. You're going to start choking. But when we stand still in the presence of the Lord, we receive this refreshing from him. A refreshing that comes and that fills our lives. Jesus goes on and he says, that everyone who thirsts, come to me. Come to me and 
drink. Action. Response. He says, I am the source, the only source of living water. And people may search for, for refreshment and they may search for uh, fulfillment in every place in this world. And they'll find that only Jesus can satisfy. Only Jesus can fill the hungry heart. Only Jesus can fill the heart that is thirsty for him. He is the only source of living water. And he's still the only source of living water in 2022. Jesus is the source of hope. He's our hope. He's our strength. David said, hope thou in God. There's times in our lives that seems hopeless. We look around the world today, we see hopelessness all around. But we can look and realize our hope is in God this morning. And in God is our strength. He can give us water that will satisfy our need. First of all, and Jesus goes on here and he proclaims for a response. Drink. Drink. Requires action. And when you drink water... It goes inside your body and it refreshes you. When we drink in our spiritual lives and we drink in God's word and we pray and drink in his presence, it begins to satisfy the spiritual need of our being. It begins to fill us. And as David said, we can taste and see that the Lord is good. I trust you have tasted and seen that the Lord is good. And suddenly the spiritual drought begins to become a place of fruitfulness. Water has a way of regenerating us, rejuvenating us, refreshing us and reviving us. There's another place in the book of John chapter 4 verse 7 to 14. There's this woman of Samaria that has an encounter with Jesus. You have to understand the woman of Samaria. The Samaritans and the Jews were not friends. They did not like each other. And the history goes back as far as, as when Israel was a united country. And then there was a division between the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. And the northern kingdom became known as Israel. And the southern kingdom became known as Judah. And the king of Assyria took over the northern kingdom. And when he put them back into their land, he mixed them with other races of people. And the people of Judah, who were known as Judah and Benjamin, they did not like the Samaritans. They looked down upon them. But isn't it wonderful to know that Jesus had need to go through Samaria? Sometimes he touches the people that we would never want to come around. He has a way of reaching out to those who are destitute and desperate. This woman was destitute. She was coming in the late part of the day because she knew that she didn't want anybody else to see her. And here she had an encounter 
with Jesus. A woman of Samaria came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. Imagine, Jesus asked her, a woman of Samaria, to give her to drink, to give him to drink. His disciples had gone away to buy food, and the woman said to him, How is it that you, being a Jew, ask a drink from me? For the Samaritans have no dealings, or the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. And Jesus answered in very significant words. He said, Jesus answered and said to her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Just like the people in the temple, they did not know who Jesus was. They allowed themselves to be blinded, and they allowed themselves, and they would not accept him. But here, in this woman's place of destitution, Jesus says, if you knew who it was that asked you to drink. She did not know. The woman said to her, Sir, you have nothing to draw with, and the water is deep. Where, then, do you get that living water? Perfect logical question. Where would you get it? She probably was thinking in her mind, this would be great. I wouldn't have to come here from day to day and draw water. I could just be satisfied with thirst. He's, and then she goes on to say, are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us this well and drank from it, and he himself and his livestock? She did not realize that the one who spoke to her that day, before Abraham was, I am. He was the I am of the Old Testament. He was the giver of living water. He was the one that when she encountered him that day, her life was transformed and changed. When we have an encounter with our Savior, it transforms our lives. We realize that the things we once held dear, the things that we once were refreshed with, the things that once satisfied us were nothing in comparison to the fullness of what God has given to us. Jesus answered and said to her, Whoever drinks of this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I give him will never thirst. But the water that I give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. Once again, he speaks of the living water that springs up into everlasting life. He talks to her and he tells her, he is the one who can give this living water. He is the one who can give the living water that flows from within our hearts, from within our minds, from within our souls. It comes from Jesus. I want you to know this morning, we know the source of living water. Here in Aurora Cornerstone, we know the source of, e of eternal life. We have a message to give to the world outside the walls of this church. The message is that Jesus Christ came. He's the giver of salvation. We are soon to celebrate Good Friday and Easter Sunday morning. When we look at the cross, we realize it is there that Jesus 
paid the price for our sins. He paid the price for the sins of the whole world. So that all can come to him and receive eternal life. And if you're watching by live television this morning, by our live stream, we invite you to come to the Savior. He is the source of eternal life. If you're here this morning and you don't know him, you can know him who is life eternal. We have a message to give to those that you work with, those that you company with outside of this church, those that you walk with, those that you go to school with. You have a message. The message is within you. That is that Jesus Christ is the Savior of the world. He is the one they're longing for. He's the one who their hearts are beating for. We were once dead in trespasses and sins but Christ made us alive. Amen? We are alive in him this morning. He's a source of salvation. He is a source of hope. We are made alive in him. Sin brought death to the world, but Christ came. We might have life and have it more abundantly. Salvation is the most important step. It's the all-important step. It's the beginning step. When you are saved, it's the beginning of a whole new life. The Bible says, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. All things become new. It's a new life, a new way. When Jesus comes into our life, he transforms us. He changes us. It doesn't happen overnight. It happens over a period of time. He makes us more and more like him. I want you to know this morning, you are an unfinished product, and so am I. Jesus is still at work in us, and he who has begun a good work in us will complete it to the day of Jesus Christ. He's not stopped with us. He hasn't finished with us yet. Thirdly, there's participation. We have a participation in all of this. We are not just mere spectators. We are participants in all of this. Jesus said to these people, he who believes in me, that's when we begin to participate, when we believe in him. That's the first step. Believing in him. If you believe in me, as the scriptures have said, out of his heart shall flow rivers of living water. And this he spoke concerning the Spirit whom those believing in him would receive. For the Holy Spirit was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. Jesus was looking ahead to two, three very important events that were about to take place. We made mention of one already, the cross, the resurrection, and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. It's amazing that Jesus would choose a time when a a feast was reflecting on the past to speak about the future. He was saying, he was looking ahead to when he would die on the cross. Looking ahead to the cross. The cross is more than just a historical setting. 
that took place. It's more than just something of symbolic. It is a living reality in the heart and life of the believer. The Apostle Paul writes, I've been crucified with Christ. Yet nevertheless, I live, but not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. When we look at the cross, we see not only Jesus dying for our sins, and that was the important thing because without that, we would never have eternal life. We would never have a, a relationship with him. We would never have our sins atoned for. But his blood has atoned for our sins. And because of that, the rest of it is true. And that is that we can be crucified with Christ. That's what it begins. It speaks about the crucifixion of our old sinful nature. Dying to self that we may live for Christ. The living reality of the cross. We live it out every single day of our lives. On a day-to-day -day basis, we wake up in the morning and maybe we may not feel like getting up. I'm not one of those ones that always likes to spring up out of bed. Usually if I spring up too quickly, I'll probably fall back down again. But we live in an old sinful body. We live in the flesh. We haven't yet received our new bodies yet. One day we will. We probably won't need to sleep then. But now we can live by the faith of the Son of God who loved him, who loves us and gave himself for us. When you wake up in the morning, you live by the faith of Jesus. You live by the grace of God. You have another day before you. And something begins to stir in your heart and you say, this is the day the Lord hath made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. The cross becomes that living reality when we realize the old things that like to creep their way up in our lives. There's a constant battle of breaking them down that the new person would be put on. In fact, the Apostle Paul speaks of it as putting off the old man and putting on the new man. And that's what we do every single day. And after the cross came the resurrection. Easter Sunday morning celebrates not only something that happened as a historical event, but it is something that happens in the life of the believer the Apostle Paul speaks of the resurrection of Jesus as much more than just a historical event. But it's a living reality lived out in the life of the believer. He says, but if the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he who raised Christ from the dead shall also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit that dwells in you. How do you know the reality of the resurrection, and that is that Jesus, his Holy Spirit dwells in you. The same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in us this morning. We have his life-giving resurrection power in our lives every single day of our lives. 
We are participants in this way in the death and resurrection of our Lord. We cannot die for our sins. Only Jesus could do that. But when we die to self and live for Christ, that's the identity of the cross. And it's also the identity of the resurrection. We live and rise to newness of life in Christ Jesus. And this is what Jesus is speaking about here. It's being participants. He who believes in me, as the scripture says, out of his body will flow rivers of living water. That speaks of participation. God wants us to be a part of what he's doing. He doesn't just want us to be those who will stand by and watch. He wants us to participate. He needs our participation. And that's why he's given us the Holy Spirit. On the day of Pentecost, it speaks about that another time in the significant calendar of the Jewish people. The Feast of Pentecost. In Acts chapter 2, verse 1 and 4, it was at this time period. It was in the spring of the, of the year. It celebrated the budding of the harvest, the budding of the crops. It was at this special time when God was doing something new. He was about to do something new. As this group of people gathered in the upper room, the Bible tells us in Acts chapter 2, 1 and 4, that when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they, meaning the disciples, were all with one accord in one place. There was a unity in that place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a mighty rushing wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. The rushing mighty wind would refer to them and reflect, be reflective of the signs of God's presence in the Old Testament, the wind and the fire. And there appeared unto them divided tongues as of fire, and it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. This feast took place 50 days after the Passover. 50 days after Easter came Pentecost. It was a special day because it was on this day God poured out His Spirit in a new and a living way. And you know, that in itself is not a historical event only. It is something that God wants to continue. He wants it to be a living reality in the life of the believer. Pentecost needs to be a living reality in our lives. We need to live it out. That's what Jesus is talking about here. He's looking forward to the pouring out of the Holy Spirit. And he says that as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. We can have rivers of living water flowing out of our lives this morning. The participation is that we are to be channels through which God's spirit flows through. We are channels, each and every one of us, regardless of, of how insignificant you may feel that you are. You are a channel through which God's Spirit can flow through. 
When we gather together as a church, we minister to one another because we allow the Holy Spirit to flow through us. And it's that flow of the Holy Spirit that ministers to one another and makes us a body of Christ. Outside of the church, when we leave and we go to our homes and workplaces, wherever we meet other people, God wants us to be channels. Channels for his Holy Spirit. A good thing to pray, and I pray it every single day, and I say, Lord, make me a channel, a river. Flow through me. Flow through me to those people that I rub in contact with. Flow through me to those people that need you. And when people feel, they may not even understand what it is, but they're going to ask you, what is it about you? What do you have in your life that I want it? And we can point them to Jesus. Outside of the walls of this building is a broken, wounded, dying world that we can touch for God. Twelve men filled with the Holy Spirit revolutionized and changed the world. We read their writings, and the Apostle Paul speaks also of these very things, and we know the reality of what God can do. We need God's Holy Spirit to fill us on a day-to-day -day basis that we can have this spring of living water flowing from our innermost being. Let us be the channels that God can flow through us. Thanks for listening to the Aurora Cornerstone podcast. Remember to subscribe. For more information about our church and our ministries, visit auroracornerstone.ca.